Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Chapter 3 in the story of Pope Pius XII, the Pope of Peace. crypt of St. Peter's, near the very tomb of the Apostle Peter. But mortal death cannot close the history of this saintly man who reigned on the papal throne for nearly 20 years of darkness, darkness that still shadows the Christian world. Statesman and diplomat, a soldier of Christ, he stood against Mussolini and Hitler with the same divine courage that he stood against the evil of Stalin and the Kremlin. The Catholic Church contradicts and condemns the false principle that the authority of the state is unlimited and that it controls the entire field of public and private life and that the state has the right to invade the realm of ideas, beliefs, and conscience. Thus spoke Pius XII. Thus he lived and died, the arch foe of dictatorship in any form. Eugenio Pacelli, the Pope of Peace, vicar of the Prince of Peace.
If there is any place left on earth where peace can be found, it is here, in this place, sanctified by the blood of the apostles and martyrs, and where the vicar of Christ acknowledges no duty more sacred and no mission more satisfying than that of being the herald of peace. His Holiness referred to Vatican City. Vatican City is about 109 acres. Its palace and other buildings protected by a small company of 250 Swiss guards. At no time in its long history has the Vatican been free from outside attack. Much of its land was confiscated by the Italian government in years past. Since 1945, it has been one of the focal points of hatred directed from Moscow. For Pius XII was the most unrelenting enemy of Stalin and those who came after the Soviet dictator. The war between communism and the Christian world replaced World War II, and Stalin directed his attack against the prelates of the Catholic Church and all who worship Christ. 1946. In the city of Zagreb, Yugoslavia, a quiet, ascetic man, beloved by those who knew him, was arrested by the communists and accused of treason. The man was Archbishop Aloysius Stepinac. He was accused of espionage and crimes against the people. And the people who knew and loved him huddled together in the shadows and stared at each other, tormented and bewildered. But what are we to believe? The truth. The truth. What truth? How do you tell the truth in these times? That a man of God has been arrested by men who hate and deny God. But they say he conspired against us. Yes, they say. Since when does the communist deal with truth? Still, they say they have the evidence. Evidence can always be manufactured. You think it was so in this case? I think so, don't you? You know the archbishop, and I know him. And the Holy Father knows him. It was this Holy Father who raised the Archbishop to that position in the church. Yes, I remember. Then how can you doubt him? Of course, he has been preaching the gospel of Christ. And to the communist mind, that can be treason. But would they dare to arrest him just because he's a man of God? Uh, they must dare. They must destroy all the leaders of the Christian church if they can. While there is a priest among us, we can think of God. And they must stop us from being reminded of God. Then what is to become of the Archbishop? Uh, he is not the first Christian martyr, nor the last. Pius XII knew the Archbishop incapable of political or civil treason. He knew the arrest of this godly man was simply a blow at the Catholic Church. 
but the world stood by and saw Archbishop Stepanak go to jail. And sadness filled the Pope. With the passing of years and with the alternate vicissitudes of events, innumerable things rise, grow, and fall and then changed and renewed again, emerge, or quite consumed, perish. But the Catholic Church is not shaken by the waves of times or events, nor is it changed by pressing vicissitudes, nor is it overcome by difficulties. Instead, the Church advances with a firm and sure step and through her vocation and divine mission, continues to accomplish what she has already accomplished for the good of mankind. All through the 2,000 years since the Son of God came among us to found his church. And while desires for earthly goods, internal hatreds and jealousies may too often set one nation against another, and divide the souls of men. The Church of God continues to embrace with immense charity the whole of the human family without distinction of race or rank. Without distinction of race or rank, the Pope said. With the passing of these dark days in which so many are living in terror and discouragement, there will come the brilliant fulfillment of our Lord's promise. And until that glorious day, the church will hold its head high and maintain unchanged the vigor of her youth. She will maintain what she necessarily was at birth. Always the same. She does not change her dogma nor her purpose. She is impregnable, indestructible, invincible. She is immovable, changeless in the writ of her foundation, sealed with the blood of the Son of God. countless millions of people shut off behind the Iron Curtain were some 50 million Catholics whose very faith doomed them. But the Holy Father's words, reaching them by broadcasts beamed in many languages, brought hope and courage to them, for they knew they were not abandoned. But the communists continued to strike and strike again. 1949, Joseph Cardinal Minzenti, primate of Hungary, is arrested after visiting the United States. Moscow, Cardinal Minzenti has been arrested for crimes against the people of Hungary. He has been charged and found guilty of treason and black market operations. He has been convicted and sentenced to die as a criminal. The sentence? 
was later commuted to life imprisonment. But the world was shocked. And in the face of this latest outrage against the Christian church, the Holy Father took action. We are obliged in the sight of Almighty God to excommunicate and deny all sacraments of the church to those persons of Catholic faith who took part in the prosecution of Cardinal Mincenti. We shall defend the Mother Church with every weapon of peace at our disposal and in the cause of divine justice. Defense of the Church. The need for that was not alone behind the Iron Curtain. Pius XII did not have to look beyond his own doorstep for it. The red wave of communism was creeping across the whole of Italy. Peasants! Peasants and workers of Italy! Listen to what I tell you! Listen to what our friend Stalin tells us. We must throw off the yoke of the church. We must rise up and do away with all the men who have trampled on us, exploited us for these long centuries. This is our great opportunity. Listen. The Communist Party promises you an equal share in the land, a new way of life, an abundant distribution of food for your empty bellies. Listen! Stalin wants us not to become the tools of the warmongers of Washington. Stalin talks of a peaceful world where all men are equal, an end to war, an end to aggression. Never a day passes when the heart of this humanitarian in Moscow is not bleeding with compassion for us. Stalin is our one hope for peace and plenty. <laughs> was good material for the communists in Italy. Abject poverty, hunger, unemployment, and families broken up by the war. And there was great wealth held by the landowners and nobility. At the Vatican, Pius XII received a delegation of Italian noblemen. My sons, you don't possess any divine right of special privileges because of your inherited wealth and ancient lineage. But there is one privilege that neither time nor men can take from you, unless you yourselves consent to lose it. It is the privilege of making the best of your abundance of wealth in the service of the less fortunate. The privilege of the integrity of your religious and civil lives. It is the privilege of being patricians by reason of superior qualities of mind and heart. That is what makes a man noble. Not his rank, not his titles, not his ancestors, not his idleness. 
No man can emancipate himself from the universal law of a good day's work. Nor can any man claim to love God while he lives in a luxurious mansion and lets his tenants exist in scandalous misery and hopeless poverty. The master has responsibility for those who toil for his personal gain. For you own nothing. Every grain of soil on your land belongs to Almighty God. And you are only his trustees. My sons, think well of this before you next kneel down in prayer. Inspired by the Pope's Christian stand and aroused by the growing strength of the Communist Party in Italy, Americans of Italian birth and ancestry send hundreds of thousands of messages to their families and friends in Italy as the fateful elections drew close. Messages of hope and encouragement and warnings against the communist menace. And the Holy Father again employed his weapon of peace. In our deepest and most profound sorrow, we must make this warning. For those persons who aid and support anti-Christian doctrines aimed against the Mother Church, there must be excommunication and denial of all the holy sacraments. The tide began to turn in Italy. The communists gained some strength, but failed to win sufficient support to control the country. And Moscow snarled. The Pope of Rome is part of the imperialist warmongers of the West. He wants war. This was the only occasion the Pope took public notice of the attacks hurled against him by Moscow. What can we answer to this bitter calumny except to sift the troubled years of our pontificate, weigh every word our lips have uttered, every sentence our pen has written? I think you will find in them only appeals for peace. The Pope never condemned the communists. He condemned only what they did. Nor did he ever suggest they acted according to their own light. He believed they were without light. The Holy Father stood firm and tirelessly against the continued communist attack. But he stood just as firmly against those of his own countrymen who refused to recognize the needs of the poor and the depressed. And he made himself more available than any previous pope in history to all those who came to see him. He cut through all protocol and tradition that demanded that all who came before the pope should be suitably dressed. Our Lord did not look at the clothes on a man's back. 
He saw only what was in the man's heart. How can I expect one of my devout visitors to array himself in finery that he neither possesses nor can afford to buy? The rags on his back may be all that he has in this world. Let him come to me without regard for how he is dressed. For didn't our Lord give a special blessing to the poor? And so they came to him. The pilgrims from all parts of the world. Dressed as best they could. Workmen from the factories. Peasants from the farmlands. The tourists. Soldiers, sailors, shepherds. And they all received his blessing and went away loving this most gracious and holy father. Christmas Eve, the year 1949. Pius XII proclaims the beginning of the 25th holy year in the history of the church. Almighty God, who lendest a benign and merciful ear throughout thy kingdom. Hear us, we beseech thee, and make it so that the sanctity of this spot remains inviolate, that all the faithful who come here may rejoice at having obtained the blessing of thy gifts in this year of jubilee. Before the year would end, three million pilgrims would visit Rome to do penance and to pray for special indulgences. Vast crowds would fill St. Peter's Square and would see the Holy Father appearing on his balcony, raising his hands in a blessing for them. This holy year would see the ties that bind the Christian world together, bound even tighter in the face of communism. November 1st, 1950. Toward the end of the Holy Year, Pius XII defines the dogma of the Assumption. He confirms the belief held within the Church for long centuries that Mary, the mother of Christ, was assumed into heaven, body and soul. A few weeks later, in his Christmas message to the world, the Pope made an announcement that sent newspaper reporters rushing to him. The tomb of the Apostle Peter had been found during some excavations beneath the altar of St. Peter's Basilica. Holy Father, is it true? True? Is what true, my son? That the tomb of St. Peter's been found? Oh, yes, quite true. And his bones? There are bones in the tomb. More than that, we cannot say. We cannot identify them as the bones of the apostle. Not yet. But the tomb is definitely St. Peter's. There is no further doubt of that, my son. In September 1953, Pius XII proclaimed the observance of the centenary of the definition of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary. And a special Marian year was observed, providing opportunity for a renewal of belief in this great truth. Father, if I may ask a question, 
If you do, I'll do my best to answer it, my son. What does the Immaculate Conception mean, Father? Well, my son, the term Immaculate Conception refers to the truth that Mary, the mother of Christ, never had original sin. But I thought everyone born of Adam had that. No, my son. Because Mary was to be the mother of God, he preserved her from this sin. And this is what we mean by the Immaculate Conception. Pius Twelfth, brilliant scholar and statesman that he was, believed in the virtue of simplicity. And people learned to understand the church dogmas more clearly through his efforts. But in the background of the Vatican loomed the increasingly black shadow of the Soviet Union and Red China. And war would soon break out in Southeast Asia and Korea. And in these days to come, Pius XII would be blessed with a supernatural vision. listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony's Shrine, Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.